It is good to see everybody, and today we would like to continue with our sermon series, if you will, on worship. And we talked last week a little bit about worship. We started out with this same scripture, John 4, verse 24. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And we looked at that, and we understand that that God is God, and he, he is the one who tells us how worship is to be conducted. Uh, he, he seeks those who would worship him. In Philippians 4, starting at verse 6, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What better thing to have than that hope, that peace? It was mentioned uh, just a few moments ago uh, the, about hope. And in this time when we have so much hopelessness, and I guess hopelessness has always been in the world since mankind fell, but uh, we, we see so much, the more, the hopelessness showing its face around us in society right now. And uh, we, again, as we often mention, need that hope. We need to be sure that we are doing things in accordance with the will of the Lord. And worship is one of those things that we come together and we do every, every week. We come together and we... We do these things, but we do, we, do we really know why we do these things? Do we really know what we're doing? You know, in the last couple of weeks, we talked about our worship needing to be directed at God only. And the idea that not all worship is pleasing to God. There are those that endeavor and are endeavoring this very day, at this very time, to do things in the name of the Lord, and they're calling it worship. But... We can't find those things being asked for by the Lord in his scriptures. And we, we need to be those that study to show ourselves approved. Uh, God tells us in the scriptures how he desires to be worshipped. And teaching is what we talked about last week. The avenues of worship, if you will, or channels of worship. Uh, and teaching being one of those must be according to the Lord's commands. We can't just teach just anything. We can't just come up here and speak. Teaching also must be adhered to. You know, what good does it do if we learn what to do and then just don't do it? If we just go ahead and do things our own way. And teaching, again, we learned last week, teaching must be continual. It's something that we need to continue to do over and over again. Uh, I need to be retaught certain things. There are things that I'll forget. You know, when I, uh, I, I'm learning that now, that lesson I'm learning again in helping my children do their math homework. Now, my children are homeschooled, and as they come to uh, ask me questions about things that I learned many years ago, I have to re go and reteach myself. I have to, uh, I'm thankful for YouTube, and I can go and look up a video on someone that is smarter than I, and they can tell me how to do these things. And uh, 
bottom line is, as human beings, we forget things. And we uh, can become out of practice and out of learning. We must be taught, and it must be continual. And we must continue to teach. We must continue to teach others and share the gospel. Remembering that if we're engaging in worship, you know, and we're using the Lord's name, we're saying we're doing it by his authority, we better be doing it the way that he desires. Matthew 15, 9, just for your remembrance as we jump into this. Uh, and in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that is obviously not where we want to be uh, when we are conducting our worship to the Lord. So uh, as we started last week, we started looking at some of the, or, or the uh, scripturally authorized uh, avenues of worship. And you can call these channels of worship. I, I, I've heard lessons on this, and uh, it's been put different ways. But teaching is what we talked about last week. And uh, teaching is something that the Lord desires that we do. And as we come together right now, you know, Hopefully you're gaining something out of this, this time that we have together and you're learning something and you can look into the scriptures and, and understand a little bit more about what the will of the Lord is. Teaching, of course, is taking place. Prayer, we've done that. And that is another scripturally authorized avenue of worship. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time today is talking about prayer. And in the weeks coming, we'll talk about the Lord's Supper and the command to do that, and singing, and just and this is one that, that causes a lot of trouble out there in the world. Uh, people uh, do all sorts of things and sing in all sorts of ways in worship to the Lord, but understand that he only asks for us to sing with the instrument that he designed, not something that we have fashioned with our own with our own hands. And I, so I urge you, I won't get into that sermon early, I urge you to, uh, to come back and listen again when we get to that one in two weeks. And then, of course, giving. Before we leave here today, we'll have an opportunity for the saints here to give as they have been prospered. And that is also a scripturally authorized avenue of worship. So as we go back, and we're going to talk about prayer today. We want to talk about prayer, and we have, of course, the first thing that may pop into your mind, the first thing that popped into my mind thinking about prayer, you think of the model prayer in Matthew 6, starting at verse 7. And we'll read that. In Matthew 6, starting at verse 7, says, And when you are praying, do not use thoughtless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, depending on what uh, translation of the scriptures you have, some of the later manuscripts throw in, uh, uh, throw in a, another statement there at the end that says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And those are later manuscripts. I, I'm using the NASB and it, it is not in there. But uh, as we look at this, at this uh, passage here, we look at the first warning there. 
of Christ. When you're praying, don't use thoughtless repetition. Now, when we pray, how many of us, and you don't raise your hands, but just think in your minds, how many of us do thoughtless repetition? I, I you know, when we sit down to the table uh, before a meal, you know, we, we say a prayer, and oftentimes the same sort of phrases tend to come out. It's, we, we're human beings, we're creatures of habit, and that that sort of happens, but we have to we have to stop ourselves. As Paul said, you know, he buffeted his body, uh, you know, and brought himself into submission that he would be that he would be pleasing to the Lord. And and we we also need to control ourselves. If left to our own devices as human beings, we will become lazy and we'll just do those thoughtless repetitions. And uh, that is not the idea behind prayer. It's speaking between you and the Lord, petitioning the Father. And, and we, we must take this seriously. You know, whenever we, whenever we pray, we have to take it seriously. It, and it's something that, that, easily, that easily becomes just something that we do. We don't want those vain repetitions coming out of our mouths. We need to think about it. And so when we look at, when we look at uh, this model prayer that Christ has given us here. You know, first off, we we remember who God is. We start out with understanding who God is. Hallowed be your name. You know, understanding and now now the people that that uh, will use this and rotely repeat this particular model prayer are forgetting, you know, in, in this verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well it if you look around, if you study the scriptures, you understand that the kingdom is here. And so this was something that was being taught at the time before. You know, Christ was still alive. The day of Pentecost had not come. The church had not been established at that point in time. So uh, this is putting things in context, understanding that uh, why that statement is in there and why we don't need to say such a thing. But uh, as we as we continue on, understanding that we're asking the Lord to give us this day our daily bread. You know, and as we often, I think human beings tend to think of, you know, when they're praying for something, you know, oh, oh Lord, let me get the next biggest house. Let me get the next shiniest car. Or let me be able to have this job that allows me to bring in lots of money that I might be physically comfortable with, with my income and so on. But it's asking for our daily bread, you know, enough to get us through the day. Sufficient for the day is its own worries. You know, we don't need to think that far ahead. I mean, we should plan. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with thinking and making a plan. But of course, always adding into that, if the Lord wills, if it be his will. But really, we should be satisfied having enough to get us through the now. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We need to be those that are forgiving. And of course, we want to we want to be free of temptation. We want to be delivered from those evil things. We, we need to think about this model prayer, not as just something that we just repeat, but it's there to teach us. It's a template and I to show us these are the things that you should be praying for. And these are the this is how you should you should do this, but it's not giving us the script. We need to that needs to be between you and the Lord. And as we 
as we think on this, we understand that we need to be continual in our prayer. It's not something that we do once. It's not and not something that we, you know, just do at, at meal time, which is probably the most common time that people that people pray, maybe before they go to bed. But uh, it needs to be continual. You know, First Thessalonians 5.17 there on the screen reminds us to pray without ceasing. So do we drive down the road with our eyes closed and, and pray as we're driving down the road? I think not. But we... But it's something that we shouldn't stop doing. It's something that should be a regular part of our lives. It should be something that we, that we desire to do, having that time. God already knows the things that we need, as we already read. He already knows those things that vex us on a daily basis. But we need to be conscious of those things. We need to talk to the Lord and ask that he would help with those things. It's part of God's plan and his design for his people. And that, that's what we need to do. In Acts 2, starting at verse 42, we read, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread. It was a continual thing. It was, it was something that they did continually. They didn't stop. Now it was a court this was a corporate action that we read of. Now it was something that they did together. And when we think of this scripture here, you think of who's who's the they? Who is it that, it that they're speaking to? It's those who gladly received his word and were baptized in verse 41 of that passage. We see that. And they were the Lord's church. We read in, in Acts 2, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is something that is desired for the church, that it be that continual, that corporate action, that we come together, that we pray together. But not only that, it's individually as well. Now this was, again, a continual action we must also be sure that we, that we pray continually. That it is something that happens every day of our lives. That as often as possible, we go to the Father in prayer. That we learn what His will is. That we learn those things that we need to be mindful of. It's an important part of the life of a Christian. And it's an important part of our time here in worship. We also need to pray with understanding. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 14, says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, but I will sing with the mind also. You know, I bring that, bring that out to bring forth the point that we need to understand what we're, what we're saying. We need to understand those things that we're praying. It's, again, understanding what the will of the Father is. We know those things that we ought to pray for. We know that there are some things that, you know, there's a, a country song that I've uh, long, been a long time since I heard it, but I know that, I know that in that country song, 
this person is talking about the value of an unanswered prayer and that uh, he prayed for something when he was young and he didn't know any better. And he's glad that God didn't answer that prayer. And as we go through our lives and we think about some of the things that we've maybe foolishly prayed for over the, over the years and understanding that, that God is going to act according to his will and that as his people, we need to understand that we pray for those things that are according to his will. And always keeping in mind, you know, if it be your will, let these things be done. We have that example in Christ when he prayed. Now, if it be your will, let these things pass from me as he was coming close to crucifixion. But the Lord's will was done. Now, prayer is a serious endeavor. As we think about that, we think about that scripture that we read a moment ago, talking about having understanding. You know, as we think back, tongues were for a purpose in the scriptures, that everyone present would understand. That, and that's including the person that was praying. You know, it was a miraculous event when, the, when these things happened, and it was there for a purpose. Now, now uh, we are beyond that time when these things like this can happen. If someone... Uh, Comes And I've been in services in college. I've told you all that are uh, normally here with me, I've told you several times about a professor that sent us to a, to a Pentecostal-type church, and it was a psychology class. And he wanted us to study the group dynamics of, the, of what happens in, in this quote-unquote healing service. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. The people flailing around and rolling around on the floor, moaning and groaning and have, making all kinds of noises. And uh, nobody knew what anyone was doing, not even the people that were doing. And then, uh, you know, the sad part, the healing service where people went up there and some of them truly, truly in tears, wanting some relief from whatever was ailing them, thinking that this, this man was going to be able to help them. And they're, they've been lied to. And it's a sad, sad state of affairs. We need to be those that understand the will of the Lord. We need to understand our place. We need to pray with understanding. We need to understand those things that we can pray for. But, and we also remember that it's the Lord's will that will be done no matter what. So as we think on this scripture that we read a moment ago, you know, we have this purpose of prayer. It's a knowing, a knowing petition to the Lord. If we pray and don't understand the things that we're saying, then what is the purpose? What's the point? God desires that we put effort into prayer and worship. You know, he desires that we do more than drag ourselves out of bed, drink some coffee to wake up, and then sit in a pew. You know, we, when, we're, when we're here, we are here to worship the Lord. And it's, it's, it's serious. It's something that should make our skin tingle. It should make us, it should make us uh, uh, wake up on its own. We should be those that are involved in every act of worship that takes place. Prayer being one of those. It's a serious endeavor, a petition to the Almighty God. You know, I, I read, and I think, it, I think it might be in the, in, in the article, as I was looking through articles and finding one for the bulletin here today, I believe it might be in that article. My, my brain is escaping me right now, but there's a uh, I read an article where a man talked about a, he was in an assembly of the Lord's church and one of the 
older members, whenever someone would pray, he would say, yes, Lord. And, you know, just lowly under his breath, you, this person was sitting next to him. And he thought about that. He got to thinking that, you know, that person was involved in that prayer. He wasn't just sitting there waiting for it to be over. Okay, my eyes are closed. I'm looking down. My hands are folded. What am I having for dinner today? I can't wait till this guy stops talking. You know, that's what happens a lot of times when we are uh, involved in a corporate prayer, time of prayer. But we need to be involved in that prayer as well. We need to be praying with that person that is leading us in prayer. It's a serious endeavor. It's something that we need not just flagrantly do, that we just, we just do because we do. So again, as we remember that we want to worship properly, that we come together, we worship in his name, by his authority, we need to be sure that we're doing it the way that he would desire. We also need to pray for one another. As we, as we endeavor to worship the Lord and we pray, we need to pray for one another. Acts 12 and verse 5, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made to God intensely by the church. It wasn't just something that, that they did <clears throat> just for a couple of minutes. It wasn't something they did without much thought. They prayed intensely. We care for one another. You know, looking around, you've got a family here. You know, we have visitors from out of town, and I hope they can consider us family as well in Christ. And we, we have this family connection as we are in the Lord, and we care about each other. When someone close to you is going through something, you feel that with them, and you try to be helpful to them, and you pray that they might be relieved of such a thing. So, we're no different. We need to pray for one another. We need to be sharing our concern for one another and praying to the Lord that some of the things that, that ail us might be relieved. That, But above all, that the Lord's will be done. Romans 15 and verse 30, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord and Jesus Christ, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. You know, striving together in that prayer. You know, it it it's work. It's more than just than just a just words. But we do need to have that concern for one another. Each of us needs the prayers of our brother. You know, earthly life it can be trying. It's something that each one of us can get beaten down by the things that happen to us in this life. We have each other for a support. There's no, there's no mistaking it. Is is you think on the things that the Lord has desired for us to do in worship. You know, we come together, we share the burdens of life with one another. It is no mistake that He desires that we have this concern for one another, that we would pray for one another. After all, prayer works. James 5 and verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. Now we need to be desiring to be those that are righteous. We need to understand that the Lord can't have anything to do 
with unrighteousness and with evil. We need to be those that work on our lives and make sure that we are in alignment with the Lord so that we can be in fellowship with him, that we can help one another, that we can be those that bring about this accomplishment that uh, can be done through the Lord. So we need to pray for one another. As we think on these things and we think about what prayer truly is, I hope that we've uh, brought to your mind the importance of prayer in our everyday lives. You know, when we when we read James 5 and verse 16, we just read there, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person when it is brought about can accomplish much. But let's move on a little bit further and let's read verse 17 and follow. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. and He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again in the sky, poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We have an example here of prayer working. We have an example of Elijah having prayed and prayed, uh, praying earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. We know Elijah was a faithful person. We know that if we are faithful, we know that if we are those that seek after the will of the Father, that we also can have effective prayer. That we'll be praying for those things that our brothers and sisters need. That we'll be praying for our own safety, our own spiritual safety. That we look out for one another, pray for one another when we see each other straying a little bit. That we would help to bring an erring brother or sister back onto the path. And uh, most of all, you know, our our one of our greatest purposes here is to share the gospel with those around us. Now, if we uh, turn a sinner from the error of his way, we'll save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's a big thing. We need to be those that are out there searching for a way that we can talk with others, a way that we can be, that we can share the gospel of Christ with those in our community that we can bring them into the fold and teach them about worship because there have been a lot of lies perpetrated on society about worship, about what is to take place in worship. As we go on through the next couple of weeks, I hope we get a good understanding of those things that we do. You know, it is, uh, as we come together, we know, you know, we, we've always done these things and we've, we've, uh, uh, to my, to my knowledge, we don't do anything out of the, out of the purview of, of the scriptures, but we need to study to make sure. We need to know ourselves. It's not enough that our grandfather and our father or whoever told us that this is what you should do, but do you know in the scriptures why we do these things? That's something that the purpose of what we're doing here. So as we think on these things and we think about the fact that mankind 
can very easily fall into sin. I ask you if you've thought about the condition of your soul. Are you sitting here today and and you uh, these things are maybe new? Maybe you haven't ever heard of really thinking about why you pray to the Lord. Maybe that's just not something that you've ever heard of. Have you have you heard of what He desires of mankind in order for you to have everlasting life? The scriptures tell us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard a little bit of the scriptures here today. We also understand that we must believe that Christ is who he says he is. And when we believe that he is who he says he is, then it only stands to reason, understanding that he is the son of God, that we would repent, turn away from our sins, desiring to be pleasing in his sight, that we confess that we confess Christ before men, that we are baptized, buried in the waters of baptism, raised to walk in that newness of life because he said so, because he gave us the example in his own life, because every instance of someone being saved happened at that point of baptism. And then the hard part, remaining faithful. If you've found yourself going off the path, if you found yourself uh, not in alignment with the will of the Father, and you need the prayers of the saints to get back on track, the support that we have amongst each other, then by all means, uh, you can come forward in a moment, and we would be glad to pray with you and for you. And if you're sitting here today and you have not put on Christ in the waters of baptism, then why do you delay? You know, Acts 22 of verse 16 says, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name. If you're outside that circle of safety, as it will, if you, if you cannot with certainty say, Yes, I am a saved child of God, then we would like to study with you. We would like to share the gospel with you. We would like to be able to facilitate that baptism into Christ, whatever your need may be. And please come forward as we stand and sing.